0: Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last Third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more info, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510510. We hope you enjoy this episode, but be sure to join us next month for FCYA Third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. In case we haven't met, my name is Cody, and uh, tonight is really special. I think it's uh, always fun for us to kind of gather as a community of young adults. And this being the first one of the year, I want to be the, one of the probably last people actually in your life to welcome you to 2023. We made it, guys. We're all here. Um, new year and a lot of excitement that comes with that. We're going to do something um, a little bit different tonight. If you've been a part of these nights for a while, you'll know that um, usually we've kind of framed these nights all around um, conversations and really letting there be a dialogue around what it means to kind of follow Jesus and all of the sort of dynamics and challenges and um, different things that come with being a young adult and being at this you know age and, and season of life that we're in and, and the time in which we're living in. And we've always kind of prioritized these nights as ones where we can sho- showcase What really happens in community groups week to week and and part of the heartbeat from the very beginning has been one that wouldn't be um, just another service or another event or anything that would compete with what we have on Sunday, but really would be an opportunity that we can showcase um, conversations and things that happen um, all around our community and and talk about some of those unique challenges in in an open and, and authentic sort of dialogue, but being the first of the year and being sort of the first opportunity that we have to gather, I wanted to take a moment and um, kind of just set the tone for the year that we have in front of us. And I wanted to have a moment where part of you know my role in this is of leading our community is being able to cast vision and to share sort of what it is that we're building. And of course, it's the season. It's the season for goal setting. It's the season for resolutions. It's the season for new things and all the newness that comes with that. And, and and I didn't want to miss the opportunity, I think, to really, I think, set the tone to let you know what it is that we're a part of and wh- where it is that we'll be going. Um, this season, kicking off um, 2021, we are 2021. What am I talking about? That's where my mind is at mentally. Um, I was going to say 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm um, kicking off. Is that a redemptive? You were okay okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we go we go we go we go we go. <laughs> um kicking off this new year, our church is in twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. And so um, I'm not sure if you um, have been around or part of our church family, but that's kind of where a lot of us are at on this journey, week really week one or one and a half weeks into this. And um, I just wanted to say, you know, part of the reason that we're kind of doing all of this, I'd encourage you to jump in, even if you don't consider maybe Free Chapel your home, is to take some time really at the start of the year and to um, jump in one of the the spiritual disciplines that happened throughout the church um, in history is always kind of come back to this idea of prayer and fasting. Of course, fasting is much more than a diet. Um, We don't fast to lose weight. Um, We fast to gain vision. And part of what happens when we fast, I've, I've just learned this in my life, that things get clearer and things happen faster. And so part of what we're doing as a community and really among our whole church is taking the first three weeks of the year and setting it aside and, and pursuing God and leaning in maybe with a different level of dependency into the things of God. And so that's sort of where we're at in kind of the the season of, of our church. And it's just been a really exciting time. It's one of my favorites um, throughout the whole year because of All of, I think, what we can project of God would do in 2023 and all of the things that lie ahead of us. And so tonight, I really just wanted to have a moment where we can kind of come together. And I recognize this is a family moment and a little bit of a different moment. Let me just encourage you, if you're new to this space or you um, are maybe someone brought you for the very first time. This isn't the norm. It's not, you know, the the new norm in in 2023 that we're going to be taking this. But I did want to have a chance where you can kind of hear our heartbeat for our community. And really to take some time um, right at the start of the year and talk about where we're going, what we're building, and uh, what it is that you're a part of. Um, One of the local secrets, my wife and I are from um, Chicago. We're still claiming that, even though we've been in California for seven years now. Um, But we're from Chicago. And one of the local secrets to the best view in Chicago is the Chicago Architectural Boat Tour. Now, it's a local secret because there's not many people signing up to uh, go learn about the architectural designs and and systems and structures in the city of Chicago. But it's actually one of the best views of the skyline and one of the secret gems. So, plug, if you're ever in Chicago, that's what you should do. Um, But one of the things that I learned on that boat tour is that um, the skyscraper was born in the city of Chicago. I don't know if you knew that or not, but but the, the, the very first skyscrapers that were ever developed... Were developed in the city of Chicago, and part of what they had learned is, in order for a building to grow that high, and in order to build something that tall, they had to dig down really, le- really deep. And part of what I think um, happened in um, their, you know, sort of coming up with this the, the modern city and modern skyscrapers is that actually to build a skyscraper, you have to dig all the way down to the bedrock. And um, part of what I think I want to do tonight is really to address some of the bedrock principles that I would want to shape our community. And I want to pause here and just I'm going to ask you from the very beginning before we even get into any kind of message tonight is just to ask you that is do you know what what your bedrock is? Do you know what you're building your life on? I hope that part of this season in in the prayer and fasting and vision in 2023 and all the things that kind of come with a new year, I hope you know what it is that you're building. I hope you know what it is that you've anchored your life upon. And I hope that part of this season and, and part of even tonight is there's a clarity and even a freedom to know where it is that you have anchored your life and what it is that you are set upon, because I do think that that really matters, because in order to build a life worth anything, it has to be anchored on the right kind of principles. And so that's kind of where I think my heart is at tonight, and part of where it is that I really wanted to share with our communities just to start the year and to really kind of talk about the very things that would define us and let you know um, what it is that you're a part of. So season one, we're going to begin a brand new collection that we're calling This Is What Freedom Looks Like. And I think it's a cool thing um, to kind of start to talk about um, because I think this is a uh, the next sort of three months, we're going to be centering conversations all around what it means to live free. We're going to look at the life of Jesus and uh, maybe inspect or, or take a look at following Jesus as the pathway to freedom. We're going to look at Jesus, who I would argue is uh, lived the most free life of any human. And I think part of what I want to reclaim in 2023, I was talking to some of the, the team about this, is I want there to kind of be a lightness to the way that we live, just a freedom that, that's, you know, there's, there's a, a moment for all of us where we as a young adult community can live light, that there's a, a freedom that we can step into, that we can live with a joy, that we can live with a peace. I know that the last couple years, everyone's had it, you know, it's all, it's all kind of gone crazy. And the last year, even for, you know, us personally and, and for a lot of the people that I've talked to has just been a year. And part of what I'm hoping for and part of what I'm praying for is that 2023, we could just say this, new year, free me. And this is, I don't need to reinvent the whole thing, but I, do, I just need to step into some new things this year that God can free me and walk in freedom. And that there's just a lightness and a, and a, and a joy to the way that I'm living my life. And so we're gonna spend the next couple months um, taking a look at that, um, and really kind of living, I think, without reservation. Um, But tonight, we are going to kind of kick off this a little bit different, and I want to get into this idea, um, help you walk through, I think, a story. Many of you would have heard this story before if you've come around church for a long time, but if not, I think it's a cool story for us to pay attention to the way in which Jesus lived his life, the way he ministered to people the way that, you know, he made him so different. And actually, um, that some of the things in which the way of Jesus and, and the life that he invites us into is a, is a counter-cultural kind of life. And even the freedom that Jesus personifies to us um, recognizes the freedom of, of living your life without worrying about other people's opinions or the freedom of being able to operate without the pressures and the intensity maybe that so we often can bog us down. And I want to take us to just one story and uh, walk through this and help k- to kind of draw out some principles for our community. Does that sound good? Yeah. Luke chapter 19. And I just want to speak to you from this title, pull up a seat. Pull up a seat. Turn to your neighbor. Let's do it the church way, can we? Can we do it the church way? Turn to your neighbor, tell them pull up a seat. Pull up a seat. You say, I have a seat. <laughs> I, um, it's a great feeling. When you gather together with people that you love and you care about and looking for a place to be, a place to be welcomed, and someone just leans over and says, hey, pull up a seat, pull up a chair. Luke chapter 19, and the verse will be up on the screen for those of you that may not have a Bible. We can, make, we can fix that at the end of service too, by the way. We've got Bibles to give away um, you want to start your year doing that. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. Um, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked down and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must go to your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people who saw this began to mutter, well, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here I am. Here and now I have, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's one of the rare moments in which Jesus outlines his own mission um, for his life. And he's speaking prophetically about his own mission and his own purpose. And he said, the reason I've come is for moments like this. It's a cool little um, 10 verse story that happens right in the middle of Luke's gospel, talking about the life of Jesus and the the way that he lived. And maybe you've heard the story of Zacchaeus before. I think it's a funny detail, actually, that the scriptures make, he must have been really short for the Bible to include it. You know, like I, I imagine Zacchaeus being a short king. I imagine him Having just like he's the kind of guy, he's the kind of guy that I feel like was was so little he had to win in life. You know what I mean? I think it's called like I think it's called Napoleon syndrome, and um, it's like you know because he's even though he's little he's got to prove that he as you know still still powerful. I can imagine him there being like you know like trying to see over people, I'm trying to let me in, let me in, let me in. And there being like this little guy, Zacchaeus, it's, I mean, it's just an interesting detail that, that surely would have, would have been special notice. It wasn't just that he was like, you know, 5'10", but he was like, you know, real short. And there's this, there's this and, and then part of what happens is, is not just that he's, you know, trying to get a vision of Jesus, and not just maybe because he's short, but also the Bible mentions that he's got the job of a tax collector it was a job that was certainly profitable for him, but not a job that would have earned you much of a reputation or a positive um, uh, image from your community. The job of a tax collector was a tough job to have. What would happen is Rome would kind of offer the job to the highest bidder and you would go around and your job would be to tax the people, your neighbors, the people that were in your community. And what they would do is they would. Uh, they would tax their people the the taxes that they would give to Rome, but then they would add a little bit more to take off the top. And he would literally be profiting his life and well-being, growing very rich, the Bible says, off of squeezing other people dry. And so it's surely he is there hated by the people in his neighborhood, hated by his own community, getting himself all mixed up in deceit and manipulation and greed, and leading to a place where he is hated. Now, I think it's important for us to note tonight that much of the Gospels, Jesus is hanging out with the oppressed. And we know this. We know that Jesus spent his time around the poor and the marginalized. We know that Jesus spent much of his ministry with people who have been broken um, by the system, But here, Jesus is is not just spending time with the oppressed. He's literally calling out by name the oppressor. I think it's an important detail for us to pay attention to because we're all good and fine with Jesus extending forgiveness with people who have been broken by the system. But here, Jesus is reaching out to the system. I want to just say this for our community tonight and really to give you a few things that I want you to catch in your heart. I want you to help sort of maybe cast some vision, not just for our ministry, but something that you can partner with in the year ahead of what, what we're trying to do here as a community. And I just want to say this first and foremost. That there are no exceptions to God's exceptional love. There are no exceptions to God's exceptional love. Before Zacchaeus did anything right, Jesus came to him. He hadn't done anything to earn Jesus's attention. He hadn't done anything to earn Jesus's invite. But still, Jesus saw this man and said, I got to get a seat at your table. And you think about this moment, because Zacchaeus was being, you know, responsible even for for so much of the problems and the pain in his city the guy that everyone would point to as the reason why we have no more money, money or the reason why we're struggling or the reason why we're desperate for this. And, and even for good reason, he's turning a profit off of this. But Jesus saw past all of that and spoke right to his humanity. And oftentimes I think we can disqualify people or we can try and exclude people from God's love. But Jesus broke through all of that, the Bible says that where sin is multiplied, grace is multiplied much more. Even in the middle of Zacchaeus' mess and getting mixed up, let I, I me mean just say it this way. That there is nothing that you can get into that God can't, you, can't get you out of. Even in situations where we would think no way God could extend love to that person. That's the very person that Jesus called out. You can't outrun God's reach. And I just think it's important for us to get this into our hearts today, that there is nobody that's too far from God. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are people in my life that, that I have oftentimes put on this like mental list in my mind of people that are like unsavable. There's just people that we think there is, there is no way they would be a Christian. There is no way that they would ever go to church. There is, there's no way that they would ever be at a third Wednesday. Maybe you were on that list at one point in your life. You'd think, I would never. I don't want to be around those kind of people. I don't want to do the church thing. I don't want to be a bigot or fundamentalist, or any of these labels or categories that we can throw around. And I think there's so, the the lesson is just this, time and time again throughout the scriptures, the people that Jesus is spending time with, even much, much of the great men and women of the Bible, it just teaches us this lesson that if we can take them off the list in our mind and know that God's love could even reach there, then who knows what God could do in and through that person. This is the story of Zacchaeus. And so God, there's no exceptions to God's exceptional love. There's, there's nobody that's too mixed up. There's nothing that's too broken that's beyond repair. There's no situation that's too dark. There's nobody that's too far from God. The Bible says God's love is greater than all of that. Jesus models this. I was reading um, something that one of my buddies had sent to me, and it just kind of grabbed my heart. You, you know, there's like, sometimes I get in the habit of reading um, statistics and news articles. My brain just kind of works that way where I, you know, like to speak in sound bites. And I, I was reading this story of, of some recent um, polls and things that were done um, among the young adult crowd in 2023. And what struck me is it says that among the poll between 18 to 24-year-olds, that there are um, between 18 and 24-year-olds 20, are among the loneliest group of people in our world. Nine in ten people, nine in ten young adults, said that they feel alone to some degree. I don't know if you're here in the room tonight, and you feel that way, and you feel like there is, um, there's, you know, there's just a piece of your life that you know you. So many, I think, craving community. So much of our world, so much of of this generation, is craving community, wishing they didn't feel so alone, wishing they had a place where they could be known. And loved, wishing that they could could be authentic without needing to pretend or needing to posture, needing, I think, craving a, a space where they can have people where they are truly known and truly loved. So many want to feel as we're talking about freedom tonight, so many people, nine in 10 people, which let me just say it this way, are, 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 are desperately trying to be free from the prison of isolation trying to be free from loneliness. And this is, I know it can feel like we talk about community as if it's like this this, this simple thing, but it's not shallow. It's actually, a, it's really near to the heart of God. And so many, I think, so many people in our world are, are craving that. And this is the very thing that Jesus speaks to. And somehow I have to believe that Jesus knew the need of Zacchaeus. Even justified because his own sin had isolated him people hating him. And Jesus says, let's get dinner. Can you imagine what that would have done? What that would have spoken to Zacchaeus? And there, even where his punishment and sin seem justified, Jesus said, there are no exceptions to my love. This is what I see for our community. I see a group of people that would be serious about freely loving people the way that God loves them. I wonder how many people in your life have Known you've gone to church, but are, are wondering why there's no love. People knowing of the spaces that you are a part of, knowing the, you know, the, the tags that you put on your Instagram bio, knowing the songs that you listen to on your Spotify playlist, but wondering where's the love. Even in the, I just want I want to help you to see. There are no exceptions to God's exceptional love. And I just wonder what our community would look like if we really grabbed a hold of this and started to love people the way that God loved them. The second thing I want you to get in your heart tonight is that God isn't interested in categories or comparisons. That day, the crowd pointed their finger at Zacchaeus, but they forgot about themselves. That day, they began to Judge Zacchaeus, they categorized him, labeled him as unworthy of forgiveness and unworthy of love. Zacchaeus, in this day and age, probably would have been canceled. Jesus says, my love breaks through all of that. I'm cool to hang out with you for dinner. And they forgot about themselves. But Jesus, knowing that he could see their hearts, knew that they were no better. The people that day, Zacchaeus, wouldn't have been invited to any of their houses. It might have been a sad sight to see Zacchaeus in the work lunchroom or the cafeteria, people scooting their way to box him out of their tables, turning their eyes so they didn't make direct eye contact, pushing him aside, saying that there's no place for you here. You're not you're not free to be with us. And Jesus Think of how incredible this is. Jesus sees right through all of that and says, why don't you pull up a seat with me? I think it's incredible. And, and I think that if we notice, part of what happens in the crowd is it didn't just confuse people that day. People weren't like, huh, that's interesting. No, no, they were offended. And this is what I think is, is oftentimes our, 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 our struggle is that there are moments where God's love is actually offensive we think no way God could love like that. God's love actually is offensive to so much of our world. And I think it's telling for many of us. I love what one author said. They said this, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out God hates all the same people you do. Did you catch that? You can assume that God is made in your image when God hates all the same people that you do when we try and become, it's a dangerous place to be, when we try and determine who God gets to love and who God doesn't love. It's not the love of God. And I think it's a place because, and and, and I think what this tells me is that God's love and and the way that it reaches out to even the, the, the people that have been pushed out of society is that if we are willing to judge people, then we are just one step away from judging God. And this is what happened in the crowd that day. Because they said, Zacchaeus, you don't belong here. Like, st- stay back. We're, we're, trying to get a, we're trying to do our, our religious thing. We're trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. We've heard about him preaching. We've heard about the miracles that he's done. And we've heard about the, the teachings that he's had and, and the way that he's lived his life. But you need to stay back here being pushed out by all of this. And, and then they said, no, 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 no. And Jesus said, hold on a minute. You in the tree, I'm going to your house tonight. And you know what the crowd did? They didn't go, huh, that's peculiar. They said, hold on, who is that guy? What do you, do you, you know what he's done to us? Do you know the life that this man has lived? You know, he's the source of all of our pain and all of our problems. You know, he's the reason why I'm broke. See, once, once we're willing to judge people, we're only one step away from judging God. And that's, I think, only a matter of time we try and pass judgment on God. And we set ourselves up as a higher tribunal than God, determining who, you know, we've made ourselves the fourth person of the Trinity, Inspecting people's hearts, knowing, you know, I I don't think they meant it like that. Who are you? (laughs) Ah, you know, I don't like the way they said that. They must have a prideful heart. I didn't know you could see hearts. (laughs) uh, Setting ourselves up is even higher than God, because the moment we judge people, what we're actually doing is we're making ourselves higher than God is. I just I just want to God isn't into that. He's not into comparisons. He's not into he's not into categories. And and what began to happen is Jesus, he, he he uniquely designed all of us. But I want you to get this tonight that he has invited us all to the same table. All of us are included at pulling up a seat to God's table. We think that there are you know, we, we do this there. We think there's multiple categories in our lives. I think there's multiple categories, and, and I've watched people, you know, it's it's can be funny, but but we so often will live our lives as if there's going to be, like, categories in heaven. <laughs> there's going to be the Pentecostal corner. That one's wild. <laughs> and then there's the Baptist corner. Very suspicious over there. And the, but, you know, there's the rich corner or the poor table, or there's the liberal table or the conservative table. and heaven, there's the... You know the cat lovers' table and the dog lovers' table, the Hispanic table, or the black table, or the white table, or or the the popular table, or the the table where where you know I think all of us. But 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 there's only one table in heaven. It's the table of the forgiven. <laughs> this front row is just. Just watch me tonight see we're all invited to the very same table and it's God's not into our categories he's not in he's not into that the Bible says that we are all dead in our sin so to God's eyes we're we're equalized in that category and the only thing that makes us not dead is the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus that's the table that we are invited into to sit at the table of forgiveness to to pull up a seat is the invitation is the same. And I think the gospel, part of what it should do is it should shatter our categories. It should shatter our walls. The gospel should should begin to shatter our own prerequisites and, and conditions. It should shatter our, our pre-existing notions and conclusions that we will so easily draw. This is the power of what the gospel does is it helps to 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 take a moment where I can I can see myself in my own brokenness, but understand that it's because of Jesus that that's the only reason I have access to heaven or to the table of God our Father. See, there's this moment where the gospel actually, it destroys. Let me just say it this way. The gospel doesn't just fix what's wrong in us. It also fix what's wrong between us. That's what the gospel should do. So one of the studies that I was reading, it was a theologian that I quite like to read. His name is Miroslav Wolf. I want to leave this quote up on the screen for just a moment for you, because it's, it's, it's a sizzler. It's a deep one. I want you to take a look at this as, as it relates to kind of where we're where we're going. It says this forgiveness fails because I exclude my enemy from the community of God and I exclude myself from the community of sinners. See, there's two equal but opposite errors. The first one is I get to determine access of who gets to sit at God's table. Cuz I exclude my enemies from the community of God. Or I've become so self-sufficient and prideful that I have excluded myself from sin. And I think that, you know, because, you know, and part of what I think is even is even happening is 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 there's this moment, and I know, look, it's it's deep, but I want to help us to see that what the gospel does is it produces an awareness of my brokenness, but it also produces an awareness of my value and my worth. The cross of Jesus Christ teaches me that I am more sinful than I would dare admit, but I am more loved than I could dare imagine. And so if I am welcomed in God's presence, who am I to say that you're not Saying Jesus says to even Zacchaeus, pull up a seat. And this is where I want to land. Then I'll give you sort of where, where I'm gonna, what I'm gonna ask you to kind of take part in this year. The last piece is that God's mercy should make me mindful of others. So there's no exceptions to God's exceptional love. And that God, we need to know, isn't into categories or comparisons. He's not into how good you are relative of your work friends or relative of your family or relative of your communities or relative of, you know, the people in your small group. God's not into that. He sees at your heart. And when we get a sense of God's mercy, it should lead us rightly to others. So somewhere between the verses of this story, there's a shift that happens. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree, but somewhere around verse five or verse six, Zacchaeus, after meeting Jesus, experiences some sort of conviction in his heart and something inside of him causes his heart to turn around. He says, I realize what, 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 what your, your mercy towards me has re- made me realize exactly what has gone wrong. So how can I make this right? I want to pay back fourfold." I want to pay back the things that I've done. And and I can imagine Zacchaeus stunned at the love of Jesus, stuttering over his words, saying, I I, 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 I just can't, is there anything that I can do? How can I make this right? How can I earn the favor back or the approval back or the recognition back? See, there's no other reason for Zacchaeus to change except the mercy of God. The Bible says that it's his love that leads us to repentance. And it wasn't self-help, it wasn't opportunistic. This is what happens when God, when we meet God's love in our life, it actually transforms our hearts. When people meet the mercy of God, it actually transforms their hearts. And this is what I think made Jesus so countercultural: is he welcomes all of us in. He welcomes the messed up, he welcomes the mixed up, he welcomes the sick and the sinful, and he doesn't ask us to get it right before we come to him. He doesn't ask us to try and get it together before we're accepted. And so for our community, I just want this to kind of be like a cultural thing for us. That As we're thinking about the third Wednesdays to come and the people in our world that need to experience the love and the mercy of Jesus, that need to find the, the freedom from the bondage of, of isolation and loneliness, I just want, us, I want you to hear this tonight. I'm speaking to our family. I'm speaking to our leaders. I'm speaking to the people that call this place home. I want us to be the kind of place that chooses, when it comes to loving people, I want us to choose uh, choose messy over easy. We need to be okay with a little bit of the mess. I'll just tell you, if you want to love me, it's going to get messy. Don't judge me. You're hard to love too. Because when, what, what, this is what loving people is. It's messy. If you want a clean and easy life, it's going to be a lonely one. But when it comes to loving people, it's going to get messy. And I think everyone, all of us, this, we're all a mess. We all need God's love. And we need it today. And we're going to need it tomorrow. And we're going to need it on the 405. And we're going to need it in our workplace We need to understand this. It's just going to get messy when it comes to loving people. But I want us to just make this conviction. Nobody's perfect. So let's just understand. Hey, if we're going to extend the love of God to the people in our world, it's going to get messy. And I choose messy over easy every time. If there's a person that God is leading me towards in my life, man, let it get messy. It's, It's part of it. I don't want that to just be something easy because what Jesus has done. I think for all of us that we can live in such a way that says to our world, hey, pull up a seat. You can sit with me. Inviting people into our space. Want us to live in a way that says to your classroom, hey, why don't you sit with me this year in your workplace to invite people to pull up a seat at your table? your family, the people that you would consider an enemy. wonder what it would look like for you to extend the love of God to say, hey, pull up a seat with me. There's a story in the Bible. Um, as we kind of draw this to an end, there's a story of King David, who after coming to power, King David begins to send word out across the region that he's in he kind of comes to power and he asks is there anyone left over from the family of Saul the his precursor part of what was traditional in this time is once you take over power it was common for you to want to tie up any loose ends make sure there's no th- any no threats to your leadership or to your authority so david as any king would asks his his servants, he said, is there anyone left from the family of Saul? So they go out and they start searching and they find that there is one grandson left from the family of Saul. And his name is Mephibosheth. Say it three times fast. Mephibosheth. Just, you're like, is there? Is he cussing? No, 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 no. And no. says this grandson is Mephibosheth. And the Bible says that Mephibosheth was a crippled man over and over and over again. The Bible makes specific mention that he was crippled in both legs. Now, Mephibosheth, his father was Jonathan, his grandfather was Saul. They were both killed when he was little. And probably in all of the chaos and the confusion that comes from losing your family, he either, he either fell or he was dropped by a nurse, causing him to live his whole life with two crippled legs unable to walk by himself. David says, bring him to me. And Mephibosheth, probably being scared, knowing that this might be my last day on earth, goes before the King David and in a picture of God's mercy and a type of Jesus, King David says to him, he says, there's no reason to be afraid. I want to bless you. Searching out, And it certainly would have come as a surprise. The Bible says this, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Don't be afraid, David said, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather. And get this, and you will always eat at my table. Summarizing this at the very end of chapter 9. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the king's sons. What an incredible picture this is for our community. That Mephibosheth being broken, his family being destroyed, he's left weak and unable to walk by himself. But when the mercy and the love of God begins to take work in his life, he didn't have to get right before coming to the table. He didn't have to ignore his problems, he didn't have to cover up his weakness to be welcomed at the table. He didn't need to, to, to try and ignore the pain in his life. He didn't need to try and pretend like it was all good, or to try and posture as if he belonged. He just ate there as if he was a son. This is what I want to show you tonight, because you know what began to be really interesting to me as I thought about a man being broken, having a story, two crippled legs, being invited to take a seat at the king's table. And When he pulled up a chair at the king's table, you get this picture? Nobody could even see that he was crippled. When he's invited to sit at the king's table, nobody would have even known that he was broken. He couldn't walk on his own. It's the beauty of sitting at God's table. Mephibosheth is me. Zacchaeus is all of us. Hiding in a tree. (laughs) Broken by life. Jesus, the invitation is for us to say, "Hey, pull up a seat. And there, foreshadowing what Jesus has done for us, we're invited to sit at God's table. What a miracle this is of God's love and God's mercy. And there may be people at God's table who have scars, people at God's table who have wounds from their lives, people who have been broken. There may be even people at God's table that are still unable to walk. But when you're seated at the table, who's to see? When we're seated at God's table, we're all, we're all welcomed. Not needing to pretend like we've got it all together. God's grace is at work in us, so even even just, just as long as you're at the table, you'll be welcomed. As long as you're at the table, you don't need to, it's like we almost don't even see the failures or the faults. As the table covers all of that. We don't even begin to see the brokenness in others. And, and let me just tell you, that is freedom. That is the freedom that, that we're after here. This series talking about this is what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. It's the freedom to be and the freedom to become. It's the freedom to love and to be loved. Freedom that we're after is the freedom to simply be welcomed at God's table. You see what happened for Mephibosheth. You see what happened for Zacchaeus. Jesus even says, that's the reason why we needed to get dinner. Because I came for this, to seek and to save the lost. And let's not make categories as if it's us versus them. No, no, no. We were all lost. We're lost to our Father, distant, separated, broken, messed up, mixed up, sinful. But Jesus came searching for us. So that we can, and this is the invitation. Pull up a seat. This table, you're welcome. Here's my ask. Is that if this is the invitation that Jesus has given to us, that we would be the kind of community that lives with that spirit too. Say, hey, pull up a seat. People in my world, hey, grab a chair. There's room for you here.